Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, we uh, kicked off um, the Classics Volume 2 um, last week, and uh, we're kind of just going through this. There's no telling how many volumes there will be when it's all said and done, but right now we're in Volume 2. Last year we did Volume 1. And if you've uh, been in church for a while, uh, especially if you grew up in Sunday school system and that kind of stuff, there's a bunch of these stories you're familiar with. You know them. Today, um, you'll probably be familiar with this story if you've grown up in church. But if you're new to church, um, you're not. You're not familiar with these stories. You, you haven't heard them. And this is part of your faith heritage, and they help us to understand these truths. And today, we're going to be looking at a man named Ezekiel. And the life of Ezekiel helps us to understand and to grow and to know what it looks like to know God better and to trust him more. That is what we are growing and doing. In. And we're kicking this off with this passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Before we go there, you have to understand Hebrews 11 um, is this what's re- referenced as the hall of faith, that there are just person after person, individual after individual, act of faith after act of faith that is laid out in Hebrews chapter 11 and celebrated And so they become together this great cloud of witnesses that is referenced here, of this being able to live a life of faith. So let's go ahead and look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this is the people who've lived by faith, seen awesome things happen. So we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles. There are things that hinder and things that entangle. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God has a plan for your life. You're as a plan that brings you life and it creates life. It brings you life and it, and it makes other people's lives better. It's not just this little isolation. You're not grown in a little, in a little unique little uh, atrium that you're the only little life there. No, all of a sudden you're supposed to be a part of a life ecosystem where your life brings life to others. That's the way God created this. And if we will go his route and let the Holy Spirit lead and guide us, uh, we'll begin to see that transform. But there are things that hinder and entangle. And we need to make sure we don't get wrapped up in those things. And I was reminded that just recently that there are times we need to just let some stuff go and maybe even make some changes to be able to do that. And um, my oldest kids, um, they love to go to the gym. Um, They go to the gym all the time. And so when the COVID thing hit and the gyms were shut down, they were twitchy and they, they were doing all sorts of weird activities, trying to stay fit at the house. And, and so, but there was, they had, you know, the individual weights and stuff. And so as they're being used, they get left around um, the house. And so Pressy, our six-year-old, Presslin, um, ran across um, some, some weights that were left out. They're little five-pound weights. I think they were Kenan's. And so uh, uh, Weston's 50s were put away, but Kenan left his fives out. And so, and... Uh, so uh, she ran across Keenan's weights, and so she had Keenan's weights. And um, anyways, and so she started lifting, started doing a little workout um, with these little five-pound hand weights. And then she's like, wait, 
I got to have the right outfit. And so she puts them down, runs up to her room, puts on her leggings, puts on her little athletic workout top. Now she comes down. Now she's ready to get to business. Now she's ready to, to, to work out. And uh, I cracked up and I made the joke, you know, that, you know, really it's more all about the gym fashion um, than it really is the gym. There's this whole athletic leisure line where you can spend a ridiculous amount of money on a pair of leggings. Lord, help me. Um, and so um, that uh, there's a whole thing. It's more about the fashion, in my opinion. But she was on to something that there's this place, that there's a reason that you wear the leggings and the tight stuff because you need stuff that doesn't hinder you and doesn't entangle you so that you can move freely and you can work out and you can do those things. If you're going to run your race, you need to make sure that there's nothing extra Hanging on, it will slow you down. And Pressy understood that it is okay to sit there and to take a moment to get rid of some stuff that's going to let go. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying, that there's some gone before us that let us just let some stuff go. Just let some of the stuff that entangles and gets in our way. And as we're about to look at Ezekiel, we're going to see that there's some mindsets, there's some stuff that somehow we, can, we need to let some stuff go, but you need to understand who Ezekiel is, okay? Ezekiel, you're going to find him and learn about him in the Old Testament. You can find him in the book of Ezekiel, and uh, he's got his own one. He, he, you know, he, he sat there and compiled it, and so he's one of the major prophets. There's four major prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, uh, Daniel, and now who did I forget? I forgot a different uh, Isaiah. And so, how do I forget them? And um, anyways, those are the four major prophets. There's a whole group of minor prophets. And these are guys who spoke as the Spirit of the Lord moved upon them to direct the nation of Israel. Now, when Ezekiel comes along, Ezekiel is not getting to be a prophet during the glory golden years of Israel. He's not there when they are a, one of the most amazing kingdoms. He's not there with Solomon where people come from miles away to just hear his wisdom and see the amazing kingdom he oversees like the Queen of Sheba did to came and check him out and was just blown away. Um, no, he's not a prophet during that time in Israel's life. He's a prophet during a time called the Babylonian captivity because the people of Israel had let some stuff come in and hinder and ensnare and entangle them, and they got messed up, and they find themselves in a place where they don't even have their own land anymore. They've been carried away by the world power of their day, Babylon, and they are a dominated people. They have no, they have no army. They, they have no way to connect with one another. And here is uh, Ezekiel speaking during that time. And Ezekiel is a bit of an eccentric guy. He's a, he's a, he's a little different. Um, he, in fact, he preached one sermon by laying on his side for 390 days. That is a long sermon, people. I will not keep you that long. And um, so, but he was a different, he was a different guy. And so as we, as we see here, the first, as you look at him, the first 24 chapters or so of Ezekiel, um, they're pretty tough. Pretty tough to read. 
He is just letting them, he's dealing with the stuff that entangled and ensnared. And, and Ezekiel loved the people of Israel with God's heart of love. He loved them fiercely. But he was willing to speak to them honestly. And back when we established Celebration Church almost 11 years ago, I was like, Lord, we, I desperately send me people, connect me with people who will love me fiercely and speak to me honestly. There's no way you can really grow and really change in life if you don't have people who love you fiercely and will speak to you honestly. There's a lot of people who will just speak you honestly, and, and you want to punch those people. And there's a lot of people who will maybe love you fiercely, um, but let you walk out with a booger hanging out of your nose. And at the end of the night, when you figure that out, you want to punch those people too. And so the people in your life who will really help you are those who will love you fiercely and go, hey, bro, uh, you know, hang your check, you know, something there. Fix that. And, and be able to deal with the issues in your life. And I am so grateful that God has brought people into my life who will love me fiercely and speak to me honestly. You need to pray that God will bring people in your life that love you fiercely and will speak to you honestly. And that means your heart has to be ready to have some conversations that aren't always easy to have. They're not always the stuff you want to talk about. But there's stuff that's going to help you to move forward and get going in the right direction. And Ezekiel, he's one of those guys for the people of Israel. But guess what? It wasn't all, hey, deal with this, cut out that, here you need, you know, Let's, let's address this hard conversation, hard conversation, hard conversation. There's some, some hope and some life because God deals with the stuff in our life because so that life can flourish. Not just to just be tough with us. God, God's, all of God's rebuke and correction is because he loves us and he's going to bring life. And so that's where we catch Ezekiel, when Ezekiel chapter 37, what we're going to look at today, is he's brought the correction and God's now breathing some life and some hope into the people of Israel. And, and the first thing we need to understand from Ezekiel chapter 37 is that in looking at our life and in looking at our situations, we need to do this thing. We need to let God decide if something has a future. So many times we can look at a relationship, we can look at a career path, we can look at certain situations, and we can decide if there's a future for it or not. And I guarantee you, the people who are stuck suppressed by the world power of their day, had decided, you know what? Israel's done. The glory days are over. This thing is, is the final chapter's been written. We've got this shared heritage, but we're just, we're just out here. And in their minds that, that that was done, there was no future for Israel. But God quickly has this encounter to recalibrate Ezekiel before he speaks and reveals that about the people of Israel. In Ezekiel 37, verse 1, begins that recalibration for Ezekiel. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. He, he's, having a, he's having a prophetic vision. Okay? So he brought me up by, by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. It's full of bones. Okay, we understand bones. Bones are evidence that something once lived. You don't just get a bone. There was something that was a part of that bone and it had been alive. 
and then it dies, and then you're left with the bone. And so for me, when I was in the third grade, and all the other little third grade boys, then we, we would just go to that part of the library when it was library time that had the dinosaur books in it. Because we love to study the, the dinosaurs. And, 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 if, and in fact, you know, we had a uh, little uh, uh, graduation we got to witness of kindergartners coming out. And they said, one of them's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he says, a dinosaur hunter. And we're like, oh man, this is 2020, isn't it? Are they playing with that Jurassic Park stuff? This is creepy. And so, um, but he's just fixated on that. And you study the bones and you study all of these different pieces of something that had once been alive. But you don't look at that bone and go, oh man, I wonder what it's going to be when it grows up. It's a bone. It's dead. It has no future. Further decay is all that's in store for it. So here he is in a valley full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. So the very first thing the Holy Spirit does, the Spirit of God does, is lead him around this valley full of bones and just let him walk around them. Just let him be around them. He just walks around the valley and it's like, all right, God, but just keep walking. He walks around and he checks out the bones and then he discovers this is where after further inspection, they're not just bones. These aren't fresh bones. These are very dry bones. There is no hope for life with these bones at all. You never see anybody doing mouth to mouth on a, on a skeleton, on a skull. Oh, you can do it. You can make it. It's not happening. There is no life. And there's these very dry bones. And so he, the, the spirit of the Lord, asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And this seems like an easy question to answer. I've got no formal medical training, um, but I felt like I could answer that question. Um, these dudes are dead. Um, they're gone. There is nothing. We can bring all the food, all the water. We can put everything. Um, yeah, no, no, no. I, I've got this one. Um, all right, apparently, maybe we're going to ramp up into harder questions as we go, but yeah, no, this one, these can't live. Um, but Ezekiel, smarter than Brandon Clark, and he doesn't answer that way. He says, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. It looked like it was easy to answer. No, they can't live. But he reserved, he reserved that spot for making that determination to God and God alone, even though it looked like it was easy to figure out. He's like, ah, I can figure this one out. There are things, if God is still talking to you, if the Holy Spirit is still stirring in you about a situation, don't you all of a sudden figure out where the end is or how, what the future is going to look like. If God is still stirring you and talking to you, why don't you let him decide what the end is going to look like? Why don't you let you I mean, won't you let him do it? Instead of you deciding, oh, I've, I've already figured this out. I know this is a dead-end job. I know this is a dead-end thing. I know this is a dead-end relationship. I know this is a dead-end whatever. And say, you know what? God, the Holy Spirit began to stir in you. He says, can this live? God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for your 
decision on that. I'm going to wait for what you have to say. You alone, you alone know. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Why do we need the spirit to guide us into all truth? Because we don't know all the truth. There are things we think we know. There are things we think we can, we can figure out. But we need the Holy Spirit. We need God's word on the subject. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. Because we can't just rely on ourselves. He will guide us into all truth. And he will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will speak about the future of a situation. We got to let God speak about the future of a situation. There was another moment. So here's this moment where there is obvious death. And it's like, can this live? God, you know. But then there was a moment where Jesus stands in front of a fig tree that's in full leaf and it looks alive and looks like it's just fine, but there's no figs on it. It's not producing what it's supposed to produce, it's not being fruitful. And Jesus speaks there, and that one dies. He says, nope, you're not going to take up the ground anymore. We're done here. That there are things that maybe have life in them that don't look like they have life in them, and there are things that you think have some life in them, and they really don't bear any fruit. And one of the outcroppings, one of the good things out of this COVID thing is we've, all of our schedules have been interrupted enough that we've all found a thing or two in our life that wasn't worth the effort that wasn't bringing life, that wasn't bearing fruit. And there's no reason to go back and as soon as everything readjusts to pick that thing right back up and add it right back into our life. We should be able to come out stronger and better and more focused on the other side of this because the Holy Spirit is already talking to you and already revealing that there's some other ways to do life than the way we did it before. But if we're going to be able to step into that and we're going to let God determine whether or not something has a future, well, we've got to be willing then we're going to let him decide, well, then we've got to be willing to say what God says about your situation. You've got to be willing to do that. We've got to be willing to say, you have something to say. He asked Ezekiel to say something. Can these bones live? He was expecting a verbal response, and he said, you know what? You alone know. And there's a place where then we now, he's like, okay, here's how this is going to go down. And in verse 4, it says, and, and then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them. Prophesy means to say what the Spirit of God is saying, but say it from a place of faith, believing that it is going to come about. To add your faith to it, to say, yes, this is the way it's going to be, to prophesy to it, and to say it with conviction and to understand it. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones... Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. First thing he's telling them. This is the changes that are about to come about. I will make breath enter you. Is the very first thing significant change is going to come about. Pay attention to that. That's the very first thing that gets told. I will make breath enter you. And you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you, another promise of breath, and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. But his, his job, Ezekiel's job, was to say what God says. He says, prophesy this, say this. 
and began to tell him what was going to change about those bones. Jesus echoed this idea here in Matthew 4.4 4, that Jesus answers says, It's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Those bones were beyond bread. Bread would do them no good. They needed the word that came from the mouth of the Lord. Bread is good when bread is needed. But the word of the Lord is always, always needed. So then as we move forward, we begin to see. We have this promise of the breath of life. And one of the first things we have to understand is that structure without life isn't life. And so many times we can begin to do this on a religious basis. We can begin to try to structure things to try to do that. I don't want things to entangle me or slow me down or hinder me. And so I'm going to be able to set these things up in my life. But structure without life is not life. It has to have, be spirit-breathed. So in verse 7, we see, we see he says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophet, was prophesying, there was a noise. A rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Change began to take place. Significant, supernatural, only God change began to take place. But it wasn't done. There's a moment there where as these lifeless bodies put back together, tendons, flesh, everything, skin, everything, and it looked like, all right, the miracle has happened. All we've got to do is what we know to do. Get the paddles. Clear! Man, I can do this. Start pumping the chest, breathing our own breath into it. Man, we can make, thank you, God, for bringing some life back. I've got it. We've got this. I've watched lots of TV. I know how to do this. And all of a sudden, there's a moment where we begin that if we don't watch it, we'll begin to take over and take control back over. But remember, the very first thing he says, I'm going to put breath there. I'm going to put breath. What he has started, he will complete. And that was the very first thing. So we see it all come together. But there's a pause as Ezekiel tells the story. All this happened, but there's still no breath. There was structure, but there wasn't life. So let God keep working as you begin to step out and to, and to speak to these things and let God begin to do it, you'll begin to see God do some pretty amazing things, stuff that's actually miraculous. The bones coming together is miraculous. The flesh coming on is miraculous. The skin's miraculous. But let God finish it. Let God continue to work. Let God continue to work in your relationships. Let God continue to work in your finances. Let God continue to work in the renewing of your mind and, and dealing with these places of pain and frustration and fear. Let God begin to continue to work there. That very first word that the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, he will take it all the way through to make that very first thing full and complete. Galatians 2, 7 echoes this beautiful thing. It says, and when the, the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the man became a living being. There was form, looked like a man. He formed it, created it. There was still no life till the Spirit of God, the breath, entered in. It's a beautiful thing about breath. Each of us 
breathe in, we respirate 23,000 times a day. 23,000 times a day. Do it while we're awake. Do it while we're asleep. On average, we do it 23,000 times a day. Those that go to the gym, do it a little more. Those that sit at the desk, maybe do a little less. And so, but on average, 23,000 breaths a day. Cool thing is, is that from a Hebrew perspective, this Ezekiel Hebrew perspective, the name of God was so holy, they wouldn't say it. and wouldn't write it. They'd leave the vowels out. And so, and you'll see it. In fact, you go to a, a Messianic or Jewish synagogue, and if they put it up in English, you'll see G-D. They will not spell out the name of God in any shape, form, or fashion. So the name of God was so holy, and the name of our understanding of it is Yahweh, is what the Hebrew name for God is. And so, but they would have it with, written without the vowel. And there's a lot of Hebrew scholars who believe that then what you've, what you've pulled the vows out, that the, what is left there, that it is reminiscent, it is similar to the sound of just breathing. Yahweh, Yahweh. Just this, what's left is there, it just sounds like the human breath. And so there, whether we are conscious of Yahweh's presence in our life, Yahweh working in our life, or we're just going along, breathing. I think how appropriate it is that everything that hath breath, praise the Lord, that there is this his name always on our lips with every breath. What a beautiful thing that requires the breath, the spirit of God to bring life. Anything without the spirit of God is just a structure we have to have the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so as we step into that and we see God begin to work in our lives, begin to bring about the miraculous, God bringing about an end that only he knows because we look like there's no hope. And we say what God says, there's a place where we have to simply keep saying what God says. He was told to prophesy and then he gets told to prophesy again. Verse 9 says, and then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into the slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath entered into them and they came to life and stood up on their feet a vast army. There he just kept saying, just kept, yes, miraculous was happening. And it seemed like, oh yeah, I can chill and I can step back. No, keep staying with what God has to say about the situation. He's not done. The breath will come. The life will come. The fullness will come. Stay with it. First Peter 3.10 says, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. When it's all said and done, anything that's deceitful speech is anything that contradicts God. That's deceitful speech. It is bringing about a lie because it doesn't line up with the truth of who God is. So we need to make sure we're saying what God's saying about our relationships, saying about other people, saying about, about our, our community. We need to say what God is saying because anything else than that is deceitful speech. And then as we move forward, we see that God brings life. 
so that we can live life. He brings life so that we can live it. So that we can live it, so we can move forward with it. So Ezekiel had a mental reset. He looks at an impossible situation where there's no hope and leaves God room. God, you alone know. And then God begins to bring in the reason he had the mental reset. In verse 11, he says, And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones, they're the people of Israel. And they say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we're cut off. They saw their situation as hopeless as a valley of dry bones. And the messenger of hope had to, had to have that vision of life coming out of impossible situations so that he would be able to carry the word to the people that needed the hope. He would be able to do it. So he says, they say our, hope, our bones are dried up and our hope is are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what it was all about. It was about the people. This is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from them. I'm going to bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. And when I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. It says, you're not going to stay captive in this grave of Babylon forever. Yes, it seems impossible. You don't have an army. You, don't, you can't fight your way out of it. You can't go into your land and push everybody who's living in there, enjoying it, and taking your stuff. You can't go do it. You can't do it yourself. But I'm going to do it, and I'm going to bring it about. And you lean on me, and you watch me. And sure enough, as time unfolded, God made a way where there seemed to be no way. And sure enough, the people of Israel come back to their land, come back to their place, continue to have struggles, continue to, through the generations to have issues. But God kept his word good. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come. We have life and have it to the, pool, to the full. The enemy wants to make your life just a pile of bones. But God wants to breathe life into anything that has been attacked and stolen and wrecked and bring life there and life to the full. See, our bottom line today is, is that with God, even dry bones can live. There isn't a situation so hopeless. If the Spirit of God is still talking to you about it, is still doing it, maybe it's a dream. Maybe you're like, Brandon, I thought I knew what my race was, but I blew it over here, or, or some tragedy happened over here, and, and, and my dream is shot. If God is still talking to you about your dream, if there's still a spark of it there, say, God, you alone know I'm going to let you have the last voice on this. And don't be surprised if the Spirit of God says, okay, now prophesy to that dream prophesy to that say this to it and the Holy Spirit start telling you what to say and start beginning to move and reforming the image of where that's going to go because God will do what he says he will do see God is for us so we can we can run run perseverance the race mark down for us thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church we hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.